You're listening to Liturgies of Life, the fifth season of Enacting the Kingdom. Here you'll be joining me and Father Jeffrey as we consider the wider implications of our everyday rituals. From shopping to social media to sports and to the so-called work-life balance, let's explore how the mundane aspects of our daily existence truly become liturgies of life. Loneliness is our topic today, Father Jeffrey. Loneliness. When I thought it might be a good idea to start a podcast, I thought, mm, I better not do it alone. I should have a partner here. <laughs> and uh, it's been very nice to have you along for the ride, Father Jeffrey. Yes. No matter what else happens, we've always got each other, right? <laughs> we've always got each other. Yes. Um, yeah. Lo- loneliness. This is a, it's actually quite a complex topic concept, I think. And, and I'm hoping we can um, unpack it a little bit. You know, our topic today, more generally speaking, is the loneliness epidemic. So I'm sure people have heard this word being thrown around in our culture, um, especially in the age of, you know, post-COVID um, lockdowns, people being separated from each other, you know, people watching Netflix way more, uh, people being um, alone way more often. People being able to work from home, you no longer have to go out. I was reflecting recently that um, if this pandemic had happened 40 years ago, it couldn't have been the same way. We couldn't have stayed at home working, right? You would have to have gone out to work. Um, so we wouldn't have had the degree of isolation that, that, that we had with this pandemic. The internet has allowed us to remain at home. Mm-hmm. Um, and yeah, and I think people are catching on to something with this loneliness epidemic there there really is something there but what is it that's there and that's what i'm hoping we'll get into in this episode um yeah before i ask my first question though father jeffrey i do want to give you an opportunity if there's anything you want to add to that intro no everything you've said is quite true i mean we have to recognize i think that even before the pandemic this was becoming a problem right studies Mm -hmm upon studies were showing that, I mean, as part of that wider picture that people are kind of paying attention to mental health issues already, um, particularly amongst young people, you know, levels of anxiety and stress and depression and, and so forth. But, you know, one of the factors or elements, you know, within that, um, you know, what was this whole kind of epidemic of loneliness? And I think studies, I'm just gonna quote off the top of my head here, but it was showing like about one in every five North Americans was dealing with sort of severe loneliness before the pandemic. As a result of the pandemic, it's it's up to like one in three or, you know, nearly 40% of, of North Americans, you know, feeling that. And I think one of the places we should start probably is by making sense of, you know, what do we even mean by, by mm. the term, you know, loneliness? Because I think, you know, there's a sense in which sometimes we just think of it uh, being synonymous with being alone, right? Being being by oneself, but actually, it's a far more complicated, complicated and complex, you know, um, situation than that. Because what it essentially boils down to is that our our current close human relationships don't meet our needs, right? Yeah, and you don't yeah. you don't actually have to be alone to feel lonely. It, it can it can kind of crop up anytime um, you don't feel wanted or if you feel isolated. Um, you know, I, I, in my own experience, actually, I've been more lonely in groups 
than I have ever been when I'm by myself, ironically. Mm -hmm. I kind of like being by myself. I enjoy solitude. We'll talk about maybe the difference between um, loneliness and solitude in this episode. But uh, you can be around a lot of people but not fit in, right? Like just don't belong. And and that can create a tremendous amount of loneliness and anxiety and, and so forth. You can be around people but don't have support or connection, you know, with them. Uh, loneliness can come up in, you know, kind of crises of, of life when an important person in your life is, is gone, right? Either because they've moved away or because they've died, or maybe because they're just incapacitated in, in some way, right? Going through illness um, themselves and, and they're no longer there you know, to kind of support you. So that could be a partner, a family friend, a family member, or a close friend. Um, it, or it, indeed, it can come up as a thing when you're alone, but want to be, you know, with others. And that has been a feature, obviously, of the, the pandemic of people being forced to, to kind of isolate um, and, and so forth. So it, basically, it's the flip side of saying that human beings are social beings, right? That, that there is no sense of a human being that isn't in relationship you know, with others, not necessarily always and everywhere, you know, in the presence of, of others, but knowing that we belong, that we're supported, that we're wanted, that that we're known and loved, all of these are, are features of a healthy human human person. And of course, the other big thing today, not only, you know, pandemics, but is, you know, the, the internet and social media, which has created a kind of counterfeit form of connection uh, that isn't really connection at the end of the day after all you know you may know you know how I dressed up my latte today or you know how I put my breakfast together because I posted it on Instagram yeah, I, but I worked it hard on that <laughs> it, it doesn't necessarily mean we have a connection in that kind of deep you know right, human right. human way and that and which requires at times an embodied presence and everything at other times it just it it, it means that we feel like we belong and we're loved, we're supported, we're connected, we're, we have these kind of deep bonds with, with others. And, uh, you know, social media has been a, I mean, it's a real, um, you know, a, a counterfeit. It's, it, it's a, a kind of fraud when it comes to telling people that, that you have friendships, you have support, you have networks when in actual fact, you don't necessarily, right? You can have a thousand friends on, on whatever social media platform without actually being connected to anyone. And that, and that has been, I think, a particularly acute problem for young people, you know, today, because they've grown up with this now, you know, there are people who are on the internet who are born after, you know, Facebook, uh, you know, was born and that wow. sort of thing. And, and, you know, that's a kind of scary thing, right? To think that, that their vision of what human connectedness is, is, is this, you know, click on an, on the internet. Right. It's like a, there's an in-between between you and the other. And that's mm -hmm. like standard humanity. Yeah. And, and I think the pandemic hits and then people realize that how shallow, you know, that is actually after, and it, it is not able to kind of make up for all of this, these kind of deep desires for, as I say, being connected that, that, that are, are, fundamental human needs are being met by by other human beings with whom we have this interdependent you know relationship whether that's the family of origin you know that we come from whether it's the family of choice um as we move and transition i suppose this is another reason young people are particularly affected young adults because they're in transition often between you know networks and families and and network uh you know social 
situations of, of origin and, and moving on and, and kind of establishing those in, in life. And that happens through, you know, the people you meet in college or university or workplace and that sort of thing. And when you've been sent home and can't actually make those connections, it's really, really difficult to, to be yourself and to be a, a human being. So loneliness is exploding, you know, as, as a thing. And we need to kind of understand where it comes from, what it is, and how we can, you know, kind of address it as, as Christians and, and you know, ultimately within the kind of full life of, of humanity that the church offers. If you're not a patron of Enacting the Kingdom, you're only getting half a podcast. This show only exists because of an active community of people just like you over on Patreon. When you become a patron, you'll get additional episodes, live streams, and our ever-growing backlog of episodes, 66 at the time of this recording. And as we're social media free, Patreon is the only place to engage with us and others about these episodes. Go to patreon.com slash enacting the kingdom to join the growing community. As you were saying that, I was thinking of different aspects of kind of what what our human needs are. Because you, you mentioned you know, being in a state of loneliness means that there's some human needs that aren't being met, right? And it almost doesn't matter if you're in a crowd or you're physically alone. It's, it's not about that. It's about these human needs being met. Um, so I, I want to throw some of these at you, Father Jeffrey, and, and I want to get your take on it. These are a handful of human needs that I think are important. Okay. Um, one I'm calling uh, intimate touch. And there's I don't mean this in a sexual way. I mean something as simple as a hug, right? Um, like a, a touch that isn't just a passing thing, that it's um, a moment where somebody is showing appreciation for you and you you for them, right? A hug, I think, would be a great example of what I mean by intimate touch. Um, eye contact, right? So, somebody looking in your eyes and you looking into somebody else's eyes. Uh, laughter, uh, deep conversation. So I think laughter and deep conversation are kind of two sides of the same coin in my mind, the way I'm using them here. I have one called communal ritual. And this could be something as simple as going for a walk with a friend every two days or something, right? Uh, but it could also be something a bit more substantial, maybe communal prayer in a monastic setting or in a home setting. Um, there's that communal ritual, something that you two partic- that you participate in together. And um, something I'm calling acts of love, which might be something like doing uh, things around the house, something as simple as doing the dishes, right? That's an act of love or something that you are contributing to the other person who's living with you, uh, things like that. So I'll, I'll say it again, intimate touch, eye contact, laughter, deep conversation, communal ritual, and acts of love. And uh, I'm not sure if you would add anything to the list or if you might even reject such a list at all, Father Jeffrey, but that's what was coming to my mind when you're talking about our basic human needs. And I'm, I'm wondering if you would comment a bit about that. Yeah, I mean, I think those do map quite neatly onto, you know, what you know, the consensus, say, of, of developmental psychologists and, and others would, would talk about, you know, if you're just looking at this on a, on a purely, you know, evolutionary biology, you know, kind of scale here of, you know, what is it that, that kind of pushes us forward? I mean, we have to obviously beyond the kind of fundamental physiological needs, right? I mean, everybody needs food, water, rest, clothing, shelter, health, reproduction. I mean, these are the fundamental biological drivers in, in us that come from our evolutionary history. It's why we are here, right? That we've been able to satisfy, you know, those. And then kind of beyond that, there's a kind of fundamental, you know, I would say kind of security or safety that needs to be established, right? We need to be protected from violence, from theft. We need to have 
a place where we can be emotionally stable and and kind of you know healthy in that kind of basic sense but once those are established you've got your kind of physiological needs and your safety needs in place right and it, it, those are a little bit more obvious when they're not there right i mean we as a society i think we kind of undertake to look after one another even the you know the government you know would would step in when things like violence are are, are undermining people or if they're not they don't have access to clean drinking water. I mean, these are these are the, the the absolute givens, right? But beyond that, society doesn't really take much of an interest. You know, it's society, government doesn't care if you're laughing. Government doesn't really care whether, you know, you, you have a place in which you can kind of feel, you know, where you can have a, a decent conversation. And that's, it'd be difficult to, to construct a, you know, a, a kind of political economy in which those became concerns say of the political class to kind of address right so we've moved beyond basic physiology and safety to to what is proper to kind of making a full you know kind of human life and and i say in this psychology or developmental psychology you know they would talk about things like love and belonging needs or esteem needs and and ultimately the kind of highest level self-actualization right where you can fulfill your potential as a person, giving you an opportunity to kind of develop yourself and so forth. So I think everything you talked about operates, you know, within those kind of higher, you know, levels that, of course, we want this for everyone. And, and to, you know, as parents, we want that for our children. As as friends, we want that for, for our, our other friends. And these are precisely the things that make the whole point of staying alive worth it, right? This, you know... You, eat and you drink and you have rest and you, you, you create safety in order to stay alive. But why do you stay, what do you stay alive for? Right. You know, and it's this area of, you know, conversation of, of laughter, of, of, of intimacy, of, of ritual, of all the, the kinds of things that bring us, you know, kind of fulfillment. And, and that's where, you know, as I say, you can't expect the world to give this, the, the world is not going to come together and, and, and make this happen. We're responsible one to another for, for this. And, you know, we, I think have to understand as Christians that the church always and everywhere ought to be the place in which the space is created. Indeed, we've kind of assured basic physiological needs are met, safety needs are met, but the church should be a place where it is possible to, to, to hug, to embrace, to, to touch, you know, I mean, how, emphasized in the early church was the kiss of peace, right? That bond of unity, of, of solidarity, of, of, of capping our prayer and our participation here and now in the life of the age to come with, with a physical act, right? Uh, a very intimate act of, of, of bringing people, you know, together and, and, and whatever else we have in, in church and in liturgy and, in, in, in ritual and everything, we need to have, you know, something, you know, of that. And, and you mentioned like, eye contact and, and which is a kind of you know the eye being the the kind of um, window of the soul that that idea of knowing you know one another being able to look directly at another to 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 be known by the other and to be accepted forgiven uh given grace and ultimately loved in a kind of self-sacrificing way that that agape love you know, represents and, and so forth. And, and, and the doing of things together, the, the participation, the belonging to a community that is through time acting again, here and now 
as though, because it has, the kingdom has come, as though the king reigns. And, and so to be part of that is, is to kind of fulfill that those higher order needs of a, of a human person in the fullest possible sense. Because you can do some of this, you know, outside of, out of the church. You, know, you can go and join, you know, CrossFit or, you know, yoga and, you know, you get some elements of touch or of, you know, human contact and, and belonging to something and part of a, of a community and, and so forth. But I mean, as Christians, as Orthodox Christians, we would say that the fullest expression of all of those ultimate needs for development and fulfillment of a human person are met in that story of God that we express and live and and together, you know, as a community of faith, as one body of Christ in the church, in the liturgy. And uh, we, I think, you know, it, it doesn't in any way undermine our theology, our spiritual view of the world or anything to, to kind of think of the liturgy in those kind of physiological or psychological terms, right? Moving away from the the kind of base needs that that, that the, the church is also careful to to assure, right? The church has always been interested in feeding people and, and providing safety and everything, but also taking people, you know, further. It's it, it's no disservice to liturgy to say it meets psychological needs of, of human beings. And and well, that might be a little bit odd for people to think of it in those terms, but it, it really does. And it, where it's bad, where liturgy has gone wrong, where it's not being celebrated properly, we can have lonely people, right, in the midst of the church assembly. It is possible to to do liturgy and to have a church community in such a way that people are left lonely. And that's a kind of sad indictment of, of how it is we're going about this, because it oughtn't to be that. It should be, this is the place of greatest fulfillment of all those needs. If you are getting value from this podcast, please consider writing a short, positive five-star review on your podcast app. And even though we are social media free, there is still a place you can keep up to date with Enacting the Kingdom. You can join the email list by going to enactingthekingdom.com. I feel like the target audience for this you know, the, the, if we were to build uh, a character who we are talking to in this podcast, it would be somebody who says something like, oh, I'm spiritual, but not religious, right? Um, I'm able to just be at home and fulfill all my needs myself, maybe me and my spouse or me and my roommate or whatever it might be. Um, and I don't actually need to belong to a community. And you know, you did mention a little bit about how some of these needs are actually fulfilled, can be fulfilled in other organizations like CrossFit or like the Toronto Maple Leafs. So, you know, like there's these other communities that these things can be in which these things can be fulfilled. Um, and I, I, you know, we did talk a little bit about that with Jonathan Pajot. So, if you're listening to this and haven't listened to that, you can go. I think it's back a couple of episodes and listen to that. But in, in this, for the rest of the episode, Father Jeffrey, like I, I want to imagine a person who just thinks that they don't actually have to be part of any community like that, right? That there's like nothing in even in CrossFit or even whatever that can sort of help them self-actualize. And, and um, you know, for, for me, that seems just wrong. I, I think probably most of our listeners are on, are on board with us uh, that that's not quite right, that there is some importance to be part of a community. Um, even if it is, you know, even if you are a fan of the Maple Leafs, that, that, gives you something psychologically to, to hold on to, right? Um, it gives you a community. Um, obviously, we would say the highest form of that, the highest iteration of that thing is the church itself. Um, 
yeah, I sorry. Uh, my mind went to people who would say things like, "Well, I'm spiritual, but not religious." And and for, for example, I don't know if you've been getting this, Father Jeffrey. I've been getting emails from these new apps that are developing that are like spiritual guidance apps, and they want me. This is a mass tech. Like, it's there's nothing special about me at all. But they're just sending these like in a mass form to anybody who's like a faith leader or whatever. And they're like, oh, would you like to be a wisdom leader on our app? And you could like mentor people on the app one-on-one, like these apps that are being developed. So you can like be at home and then connect with somebody like online and just remain at home and not really be part of a community. I guess that would be a community if you and one other person. But have you been getting those emails, Father Jeffrey? I haven't. No. So, I mean, they they obviously have written me off. (laughs) (laughs) They've listened to the podcast and go, okay, he's, this is too much. This is too much. Yeah. No, we can't, you know, yeah, I mean, it is. That's a kind of function, you know, of of this weird world that we live in, where people are, as I say, grasping after kind of counterfeit versions, you know, you know, of all of this. I mean, I think, I mean, probably as you say, most human beings kind of get the need for the things that you talked about: the touch, the eye contact, laughter, conversation, communal ritual, acts of love. I mean, no matter how they construe those, no matter what kind of story they put them into, with what kind of end. You know they have. I mean, it, you can even imagine. You know the, the the darkest. You know parts of, of humanity. I mean, organized crime has this, right? You know, like the the mafia has its own version of of mm-hmm. doing this. You don't have to just say it, it's for good, you know, or for the benefit of of all, or you know, some sort of grand story like like we have, you know, in the Christian gospel and, and so forth. This is kind of fundamental human stuff. But I mean, obviously, there are different kinds of human beings. There are different personality types and and, and everything and. And obviously, you know, the, one of the big differences that people will, will talk about is introvert versus extrovert. And, you know, isn't it possible that everything we're talking about only belongs to the kind of category of, of extroverts and not those who prefer to maybe be by, by themselves? And, and, but it's actually not the case that these things are not needed, right? But, um, and this is where I kind of referred to earlier that, um, you know, there is a difference between being by one's on one's own, right? Um, kind of solitude versus loneliness, right? These uh, loneliness is you can have an experience in a crowd. Um, you know, solitude is is a function of being comfortable with not actually being a- around others, but it's be- precisely because certain needs have been met, right? Already, you know, you, you're not lonely in being alone. You're experiencing this kind of uh, almost inner peace of solitude, right? Because those higher psychological needs are are already in play, right? Mm-hmm. And I think liturgy is one of the places that you know something like that can happen. And I'm not saying that you know for people you know, this would be a, a typical introvert who would maybe prefer to cultivate this kind of thing, right? Not necessarily seeking out for the sake of daily energy, right? The daily reason to kind of go about their business, to be in a crowd, to be in a in a busy place, to be in a kind of chaotic environment. That idea of of cultivating, you know, peace and solitude and, and quiet time and, and so forth. But it comes from a place of stability and comfort and support where, you know, those needs have, have already been met. And, and you 
you know, the, the, the desert fathers who are solid in, in solitude, in that kind of holy state of solitude, also had liturgy. They had the opportunity to kind of come together. And they certainly had that foundation of, I belong to God's covenant family. I, I have a place. I'm baptized into the body of Christ. I belong to this thing. This is the, 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 the solid ground under my feet. And so therefore I can sustain a period of time, days, weeks, months, years even, where I'm not necessarily around others, but because I have that deep inner peace and bond of communion, you know, with others. So it's not that it's that, you know, it's certain people don't need all of what we talked about, including that, that physical, you know, bond, you know, with others. It's just that being fully integrated into them as fulfilled human beings, right? They're able to uh, sustain periods of, of solitude, which are, which ultimately are a kind of deeper connection rather than disconnection, right? It's in solitude that we can truly take upon ourselves the needs of the world through intercessory prayer, through shedding tears and, and offering up our, you know, sacrifice of, 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 of praise and, and of intercession, you know, towards God on behalf of others, you know, so, it, you know, that's what you find the monk doing, you know, who is in solitude, not, you know, worrying about his, you know, self-esteem, right? Um, and, and worrying about, you know, where the next hug is going to come from, right? It's because of that bond being, you know, established. So I would challenge that person who says, you know, I can be spiritual, but but not religious. I mean, we, we've in this series been talking about how all of life is religious, you know, anyway, so you mm -hmm, can't mm -hmm. escape that. Um, but, you know, for somebody who's genuinely not lonely and saying that, if you did a bit of an audit on their rituals, their practices, their their lives, you would probably find at least something that was, you know, a version of establishing love and belonging and esteem and self-actualization and, and so forth, because you can't ultimately be a healthy human being. I mean, this is just a universal kind of precept without having relationship and being, you know, with others. There is no such thing as the truly, you know, man as an island sort of thing, right? I mean, the classic John Donne um, poem, that no man is an island, right? Um, so uh, it, you, under, underneath maybe a veneer of, oh, sure, I just, I'm a, I'm a lone ranger, right? No, but I've, I don't need anybody, you know, underneath all that, there must be something that has provided that person with genuine communion, stability, relationship, support, et cetera. Or indeed, they are just hiding the fact that they are profoundly lonely. And that happens, right? You have these figures in society that you kind of think, well, how do they get away with this? They're just, they're just, you know, completely on, on their own. And then eventually something breaks down, some crisis. And then you find out that behind what this facade, this projection of, of, of kind of, you know, human fulfillment was actually a very, very lonely person indeed, because we're very good at masking that, very good at, at kind of suppressing that and, and imagining that somehow we're happy when we're not. Enacting the Kingdom only exists because of an active community of people just like you over on Patreon. Elizabeth writes, After listening to Enacting the Kingdom and other Eastern Christian podcasts, I decided to become a patron to get more involved in the faith community, further my education, and support Canadian thinkers and creators. I have found Enacting the Kingdom an intellectually stimulating and educational resource valuable to my growth in the faith. 
Go to patreon.com slash enacting the kingdom to join the growing community. I'm going to make an observation. I'd like you to react to it, Father Jeffrey. So, um, so, okay, here's, here's the observation. Any, this is what I think. Any human relationship that you are going to be a part of, and not just you, Father Jeffrey, but everybody, all of our listeners, including me, any relationship that you're going to be a part of, human relationship that you'll be a part of, is going to cause you immense pain. There's go- and there's going to be a lot of suffering there. And I, I think in ages past, because of the state of technology, we required close-knit, uh, a wide range of close-knit relationships in order to meet some of our basic needs. And as technology has developed, we've been able to realize that we get to separate ourselves from those people and those relationships who are going to there's that where there is a lot of pain and suffering in those relationships. I'm talking about like familial relationships and things like that. There is a lot of pain and suffering that comes with relationships, even the best ones. Um, but that being said, what that uh, so that's a natural, I think, human reaction to be like, OK, I'm going to step away. Right. I, I'm not going to let my heart be broken by a relationship, whether it's a relationship with a friend or a romantic partner or with a coworker or whatever. Um, and But what that misses is that a relationship done right brings joy, right? Brings joy, not happiness, but joy, like a deep joy that goes way beyond any of the suffering that could be experienced there. And I think that there's this attempt to protect ourselves from having our hearts broken, in a sense. And now technology has let us not have a wide range of close-knit relationships. We might have one, maybe two, if we're lucky. And uh, yeah, I don't know. What do you make of that? What do you make of that uh, observation? I think you're absolutely right. I mean, anybody who has loved has felt pain, right? I mean, to to love is to to care deeply and to share the burdens of, of the one who's loved. And of course, life is difficult. Life is a journey through not only, you know, joy, but through suffering and through pain and through, through difficulty, through isolation and, and, and sickness and death. And so absolutely to, to love is to suffer. Right. And that's, you know, we talk about the self-sacrificing love, but it's also a co-suffering, you know, love. This is the love that God exemplifies for us in and through the Lord Jesus Christ who suffers for us and and, suffer, and takes upon himself, you know, all of our suffering. And so the greatest love is a is a co-suffering love in that sense. And I think you're you're right. I mean, we mentioned earlier about the kind of base human needs that are physiological on the one hand, but also safety, you know, needs security. And I think one of the difficulties of our modern society, you know, has been um, and it's part of the myth of progress and, and and everything is the kind of notion that well we can eliminate all suffering, right? Um, that somehow these kind of two mm-hmm, mm-hmm. basic levels of, of human needs we can just we can solve this, right? We can you know world hunger we'll, we'll we've got a solution for that, or you know clean drinking water we'll get that sort of housing for everyone we can do that. This is all just part and parcel of what we can do as a society. Better health, yeah. Look at how much longer people are able to live because we've eradicated childhood disease, we've eradicated, you know, all these kind of uh, viruses, and we've got vaccines and everything. The, the whole society is around, you know, we can get this, you know, done, and that's included the safety ones, right? About, you know, we can solve crime, we can solve, you know, this, that, and the other thing, and we've thrown into the mix, weirdly, 
we can eliminate pain and we can eliminate suffering, right? And suddenly, I mean, there's a, there's a, I mean, let's be clear, there's a good level to that, right? I mean, all into palliative care and the idea of alleviating suffering, just like the early church was in, in terms of caring for those who are sick or, or dying and that sort of thing. You want to increase comfort as much as possible. But to take that to its extreme, as we have as a society, right? We want to make sure that nobody ever feels any pain. Nobody ever feels any suffering. Nobody's ever sad, you know? And you know what? We have a pill for that. We have a drug for that. We have a practice, you know, for that. And, and it's the whole of the society has oriented itself towards almost making the fundamental human problem that we would feel anything, right? And so, you know, we've got drugs, we've got programs, we've got apps, we've got whatever, and they're all meant to just kind of take us away from ultimately, you know, feeling it. And But from a Christian and ultimately psychological point of view here, that's ultimately saying we can't even love, right? Because if to love is to suffer, if it's to love is to share so deeply in someone else's vulnerabilities and difficulties that we're willing to co-suffer with them. And if that is defined as being the wrong thing to do, what we're, what we're doing is we're ultimately, you know, we're proscribing love. We're, we're saying that's no longer on the table. We can't live and, and connect in that deep way. And I wonder how much actually of this kind of lack of connection today has come from us just not wanting, us wanting to just kind of dull the feeling of everything to dull the experience of life, whether it's through drugs and alcohol or psychological programs or, or some kind of pharmaceutical solution or philosophy that we just want to get away from feeling deeply. And that's not what it is to be alive. Because in order to meet these higher human needs beyond the base physiological and safety needs, we need suffering, right? We need pain if we're going to love. And so we can't just avoid it altogether. And so I, I think there's something really askew in our society, really that's gone off the rails that we need to, to recover the capacity to be fully human somehow. And that it, it, it means we can connect more deeply if, if we get back to that. And we'll be able to kind of address this epidemic of, of loneliness that, that people have, have kind of found themselves in and so forth. But we need ultimately, you know, that capacity to love because the, the opposite of love is, is this loneliness. Loneliness and love are the opposite. We, we think of love and hate as being opposites. Well, it's far from the case. Hate is actually not too far away from what love is. It's a very passionate, you know, uh, human, um, you know, uh, energy, you know, but loneliness is the proper opposite of, of love, this lack of connection, this lack of capacity to, to develop as a human being. And so if love is the answer, then we're going to need that, you know, accompanied by some of that pain and suffering that, that we've identified as being, you know, something our society just hasn't wanted to face up to somehow. Thanks for listening. I'm Father Yuri Gladio, an Orthodox Christian priest with a lifelong desire to keep learning, and I'm joined on this show by my teacher and friend, Father Jeffrey Reddy. Father Jeffrey is the director of the Orthodox School of Theology at the University of Toronto and holds a doctorate in liturgical theology. Come connect with us on Patreon with any thoughts and follow-ups about this episode. We look forward to seeing you next time.